0: The founder, former CEO, Rod Drury, firmly believed in having all employees as shareholders, giving them that skin in the game and and allowing them to share in the success of the company. Early on, he had huge ambitions for the company, huge growth ambitions, always firmly believed the company was going to grow exponentially. And certainly after launching, doing the IPO and then shifting to the ASX, that was just really validated.
1: From ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley, this is Thriving Globally with Equity, a podcast following companies as they break into global markets. I'm Mercy Lee Bal, and on today's episode, we're talking to Ryan Gesey, General Manager of Global People Programs at Zero. Ryan joined Zero in 2016, nearly a decade after its 2007 IPO. By then, it was already a global company, with offices on four continents. And over the last four years, it's continued to grow, as Zero has acquired new customers, entered new markets, and doubled its headcount to more than 3,000. That success hasn't compromised one of the company's fundamental philosophies, that every employee should be a shareholder. But 0 wasn't always the poster child for the Kiwi tech space it is today. Back in 2006, it was just a vague idea in the mind of New Zealand tech entrepreneur Rod Drury. Drury was a serial founder. By the time the idea for Zero popped into his head, he had already run half a dozen successful businesses. After selling the last of those companies, he began thinking about the technology that underpinned the accounting profession, specifically how dated it was. At the time, the market was dominated by legacy providers, who sold old-school, on-premise software. To Drury, that seemed like a missed opportunity. They were ignoring the cloud computing revolution that was going on all around them. He knew he could do better. With money from his previous company's exit, Drury hired a team and rented a small apartment in downtown Wellington to act as his makeshift headquarters. Zero's first few months were chaotic. At one time, Drury had 14 people working from his tiny studio apartment. But behind the chaos, he was making good progress. And in 2006, he launched the world's first cloud accounting software. It took the industry by storm. After 18 months, they had 1,000 paying customers. After two years, they had 2,000. They went public shortly after to raise money and expanded into Australia. A few years later, they rolled out their software to the UK and then the world. When Ryan Giese arrived in 2016, Zero had a million customers and 1,500 employees. But despite this success, Ryan says Zero still felt like a startup.
0: We were only in really in four kind of regions at that point, you know, being New Zealand, Australia, US, and UK. So it was, it was small when you got to know everyone, but as fast as they'd grown in the few years before I joined, yeah, so it's almost like kind of, building the plane as you're, you're flying it sort of thing. So, you know, you're trying to open new regions, you're trying to hire new teams, you need people to to hire, to interview, to onboard, to grow your systems, implement new. Often you're wearing multiple hats, certainly in the early days as the company has grown and, and we've been able to bring on new roles. It's been a bit easier, but yeah, it certainly was tough going and still is, but as I say, just a really, really exciting journey. So growing pains like a lot of companies, but yeah, everyone's just great at chipping in and collaborating and working together and wearing different hats and, and helping out where they can. It's certainly a lot less about what your title is and what your role says you should do and more about what skills can you offer and how you can help the company, which, which I love.
1: Zero's growth was unrelenting. Through the 2010s, its customer numbers increased 30% year-over-year, year, and employee headcount continued to rise. Zero solidified their presence in other English-speaking countries—Australia, the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and South Africa. And then they looked further afield, opening offices in Singapore and Hong Kong to tap into the Asian market. Somewhere along the way, Ryan says Zero stopped feeling like a startup and began operating like a company.
0: Again... As you move so quickly, you start off relatively informal, relatively policy light, and as you grow up and become more mature, you, know, you have to implement some of these things without kind of breaking the business and without becoming, introducing too much red tape and becoming that corporate giant, but you have to be a bit more grown up.
1: But one thing hadn't changed. Zero's commitment to employee equity. From its early days in a Wellington studio apartment, Rod Drury was adamant that employees should own a piece of the company. He wanted everyone to share the ups and downs, the challenges, and payoffs.
0: The founder, former CEO, Roger Drury firmly believed in having all employees as shareholders, giving them that skin in the game and, and allowing them to share in the success of the company. Early on, he had huge ambitions for the company, huge growth ambitions, always firmly believed the company was going to grow exponentially. And Certainly after launching, doing the IPO and then shifting to the ASX, that was just really validated and continued and we've doubled down on that. And through that growth, naturally comes growth in the share price. And so it really was about providing a mechanism to not only attract new employees in particular as we were growing and we needed very senior people and often senior people from large, well-reputed companies we needed tools and vehicles to attract them to the company and then also to retain them, retain them through that continued share price growth.
1: Drury's philosophy manifested in something called Zero's Long-Term Incentive Plan, or LTI. It's a time-based retention plan that offers all employees the opportunity to obtain equity. How much equity on offer is calculated as a percentage of your salary, and it vests over a three-year period. Zero's LTI is simple, straightforward, and wide based. And for a long while, it was all they needed. But as the company expanded around the world, its simple plan became more difficult to implement. Zero started life in New Zealand, which Drury calls a small set of rocks in the South Pacific. To say it's isolated is an understatement. And that's an issue for Zero's employees in London, New York, and San Francisco who felt every mile of distance between them and the company's Kiwi headquarters.
0: I was getting to know zero and getting out in the regions and getting feedback, really positive in New Zealand and Australia at the time we were listed on the uh, NZX and then we transitioned to the ASX. But for the UK and the US was really, really tough for them. We had no system or tool or platform to easily allow them to see their shareholding and trade. And so that early advice for them was, well, here are a bunch of local brokers or financial institutions that you can trade on these platforms with. So it was tough, you know, it was very tough, very manual for us managing all of that internally, very tough for the employees in those other regions and lots of negative feedback. So yeah, we kind of that was really what kicked off our thinking around needing some kind of platform that we could have globally.
1: It was a significant problem. Zero needed offices in all its target markets, and that meant a global workforce. And while it could list shares on multiple stock exchanges, the process is complicated and messy. To solve the challenge, Zero turned to technology, introducing ShareWorks as its global equity platform.
0: Which has just made that whole process and administration both internally for our finance, tax and legal teams, but more importantly for our employees, has made it such a simple process, automating the grant letters and acceptance, having a platform where they can go online and see their shareholding, easily see what they have, when it's due to vest, what can be traded, ability to trade, transfer the funds into their bank account, just all of those great things that we only dreamed of three or four years ago. So it's been a big game changer for us, I guess.
1: But new technology was just the start. There were other obstacles preventing zero employees from getting skin in the game. Long vest periods, short exercise windows, hefty stock option price tags, and significant tax implications. Those challenges required a more nuanced approach. During his time at Zero, Ryan has worked closely with the board remuneration committee to refine and improve its LTI. While there's still work to be done, Ryan's confident he's dismantled many of the barriers standing in the way of employee equity.
0: So, our plans are to move that to a one year vest, make it much simpler, make it an RSU consistent scheme across the globe. Because anything that makes that scheme more complicated, that means you have to explain it more, if it's vesting over a longer period, again, all of that erodes the value in employees' minds and makes it harder to communicate. So, we We're a little bit unique, certainly in this part of the world, in having a plan that everyone is eligible for. We'll probably be a little bit unique in having a plan that vests over 12 months instead of in a number of years. But for us, it really is about being able to talk about it as part of an employee's annual remuneration and making it as simple and easy to explain and increasing that value perception in people's minds, in employees' minds, yeah.
1: Zero is now an ASX50 company, one of the largest public entities on the Australian Stock Exchange. With that status comes an expectation to act like a large public company. Zero's peers attach performance criteria to their equity grants, especially for senior executives. Ryan says there's a lot of pressure from proxy advisors and shareholders for them to follow suit. But so far, Xero has stayed true to Drury's egalitarian philosophy that everyone should have the same opportunity for ownership.
0: So could we put hurdles on those equity plans of revenue growth, of profit, of cost control, of a customer in PS? Absolutely we could, but it would complicate it and it would reduce the value and then you start to bring in other factors that maybe aren't in control, of the individuals aren't in control of. So anyway, Long story short, we deliberately kept them very simple and very deliberately kept them, those individuals, benefit and rewarded in line with how our shareholders are. So a very key philosophy for us in our reward and remuneration policy. We've got long-term strategic objectives that the executive team and ultimately their next layer down are responsible for. Yes, achieving those long-term strategic objectives are absolutely contributing to and driving the revenue growth, the customer growth, the customer satisfaction, the product, all of those things. But they are measured on those things through our short-term incentive. So there are absolutely hurdles on our short-term incentive. And those are all of those things. So A, there is no intention to replicate those across our equity vehicle. And as I say, the intention was... For their equity to be much more around long term and much more around sharing in the success of the company and along with our shareholders benefiting from the share price appreciation.
1: After more than 15 years in the HR sector, Ryan says there's been an uptick in interest around equity and he thinks there's an unexpected reason for it.
0: And certainly in New Zealand and Australia, we've seen much more interest from the public in share trading. And I think what's helped that has been some of the tools. There's been a couple of really quite wide-ranging, popular, simple tools that's allowed people who have maybe never invested before to take a relatively small packet of money and be able to go on. And the tools have helped them by automating it or suggesting kind of what they could and should invest in and just making, breaking down all those barriers and making it really super simple for them. So. I think because it's become more mainstream in the public, as employers, we're finding employees are more interested, they're now more savvy and understand it. And so, yeah, I, 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 certainly this part of the world, it's, it's become far more popular and people are far more interested and far more educated around the share market and what shares are and what the difference is between shares and options, et cetera.
1: Combined with a general rise in interest around equity, Ryan says engagement within Zero is spiking too. This time, the cause is much simpler.
0: And so just through that alone, clearly our employees are becoming much more interested in shares and the plans and how they work and the value and all those good things. So I think for us specifically, that's driven a much higher level of interest and, and education around the plans and how they work.
1: You've been listening to Ryan Giese, General Manager of Global People Programs at Zero. As companies grow, it's easy for them to lose sight of the foundational philosophies that powered their earlier success. Xero managed to grow from plucky startup to global accounting giant without compromising one of its fundamental philosophies, employee equity. Through IPO expansion and stock market switches, leaders like Ryan have kept Zero on the straight and narrow. Whether that's retaining a broad-based equity plan, cutting vesting periods, or switching to RSUs, everything is designed around Rod Drury's original aim, to make every employee a shareholder, to ensure every employee has skin in the game. Thanks for joining us. To learn more, check out share.work slash podcast. You'll find other episodes of Thriving Globally with Equity, along with deep dive articles on each story. Thriving Globally with Equity is a production from ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley, writing by David Vallance from Campfire Labs, narrated by me, Mercy Lee Bell, with additional production and editing by StudioPod Media. Equity securities may fluctuate in response to news on companies, industries, market conditions, and general economic environment. Companies paying dividends can reduce or stop payouts at any time. Options may not be appropriate for all investors. Before engaging in the purchase or sale of options, clients should understand the nature and extent of their rights and obligations and be aware of the risks involved, including, without limitation, the risks pertaining to the business and financial condition of the issuer of the underlying security or instrument. Options investing, like other forms of investing, involves tax considerations, transaction costs, and margin requirements that can significantly affect clients' potential profits and losses. The transaction costs of options investing consists primarily of commissions, which are imposed in opening, closing, exercise, and assignment transactions, but may also include margin and interest costs in particular transactions. Transaction costs are especially significant in option strategies calling for multiple purchases and sales of options, such as multiple leg strategies, including spreads, straddles, and collars. Prior to opening an options account, you should receive and review the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, booklet published by the Options Clearing Corporation. Clients may not enter into options transactions until they have received, read, and understood the ODD disclosure document. Prior to investing in options, you should determine that options are an appropriate investment for you based on your investment needs and risk profile and have discussed transaction costs with your financial advisor or private wealth advisor. A copy of the ODD is also available online at http colon forward slash forward slash www.theocc.com forward slash about forward slash publication Forward slash publication hyphen listing dot JSP. Supporting documentation for any claims, including any claims made on behalf of options programs or the options expertise of salespersons, comparisons, recommendations, statistics, or other technical data will be supplied upon request. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC is registered as both broker dealer and as an investment advisor under federal and state security laws and provides services in both capacities. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC is a member SIPC. This presentation is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as an offer or solicitation with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor. The securities discussed in this presentation may not be appropriate for all investors. The opinions expressed herein by this speaker are his or her own, and may differ from the opinions expressed by Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, and are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice, and are subject to change based on market and other conditions. This presentation is not a research report. This presentation should not be viewed as investment advice or recommendations with respect to asset allocation or any particular investment. This information is not intended to illustrate any specific products. This information is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Investing in the markets entails the risk of market volatility. The value of all types of investments may increase or decrease over varying time periods. To the extent investments mentioned herein represent securities, you should be aware that there may be additional risks associated with international investing, including foreign economic, political, monetary, and or legal factors, changing currency exchange rate, foreign taxes, and differences in financial and accounting standards. These risks may be magnified in emerging markets. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and future results may not meet Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC's expectations due to a variety of economic, market, and other factors. Further, any projections of potential risk or return discussed in this presentation are illustrative and should not be taken as limitations of the maximum possible loss or gain. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, its affiliates and its financial advisors and other employees are not in the business of providing tax or legal advice, and this presentation and any statements contained herein should not be construed as tax or legal advice. ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley Services are provided by Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC and its affiliates, all wholly owned subsidiaries of Morgan Stanley. CRC number 3387270, January 2021.